Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you believe in miracles? We got Fizzle in the house. Fizzle, what what's up, good, Fizzle? man? Fizzle, glad to have you here. Let's go. This the South Harmon Podcast. Glad you hit it. Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for hitting the button. And my apologies last week. As you can hear, I am uh, still battling this mystery illness. Nobody knows what it is. The doctors don't even know what it is. It's not strep. It's not COVID. It's not pneumonia. I don't know. Something in my lungs that just killed me, apparently. And uh, last week, ready to record, Adam hits me up, and I'm like, bad news, buddy. Uh, I can't talk. I sound like a seal. I have no voice, I can't swallow, and because uh, Adam's such a good buddy, such a good good friend, uh, such a great content creator, man, he was able to wrangle Ian, big shout out to E, thank you for filling in, buddy, last week, but I'm back, I will power through, I've been able to do everything else, uh, I just can't get too long-winded, imagine that, it's probably better for the listener, Adam, but how you doing? The show goes on! They're going to need a wrecking ball to get me out of here. So uh, uh, it's going to be – listen, man, we're going to keep it going. We keep the show going. You know how it goes, man. So we're excited. Mike, I think we got a good one here. Um, e and I talked it. last week, but, uh, Mike, I've been wanting to do this episode with you for a couple weeks here. Um, quarterback hoarding, man. Let's do it. Yes. Let's talk about it, you know? One of my favorite things in all of Dynasty football is the QE hoard. 
I love doing it. I just kind of just fall into them sometimes, Adam. I just, I fall into it. I, I have this vision. I am like the Wolf of Wall Street. I just see things. And uh, Steve Madden shoes are the hot thing. So uh, that's what I'm going to take as my IPO. And it just happens to be quarterbacks. There it is, time. man. Steve Madden. QB Hortz. I know you've done a couple. And uh, you're, you are uh, bearing the fruits of this QB Hort in the best ball league. We do one of the first ever best ball leagues that we had done uh, with patrons. The original, the OG shit league. That started as a QB Hort. Now I look at your team and I go, damn, I got to compete with this forever. Ah. Uh, so let's talk about it. QB hoarded, why we do it, uh, some examples, and let's get into the strategy of it and yeah. how you have to set yourself up mentally and plan ahead because you can't just blindly go into it. There's correct ways to QB hoard, and there are very, very, very incorrect ways to QB hoard that I've seen numerous times that never work out for people. And they're like, oh, the QB hoard never works. And it's like, no, that kind of QB hoard never works because – uh, those are QBs nobody wants. And yep. if nobody wants them, you ain't never trading them. They're just going to die on your team. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and part of the reason, Mike, I wanted to do this episode, I think there's a lot of nuances to it. And I, I'd say the first thing, honestly, is not any different than anything you do in Dynasty. And it's something that if you listen to this podcast, you listen to the Destination Debbie radio feed, period. You'll hear Scott, you'll hear Eric, you'll hear Ray talking about know your format, know your league. And the first thing you got to do is know your format because the quarterback horde and format are very like string together, in my opinion, especially playing in a lot of leagues now. So, for example, what I mean by that is if you're in a lineup start 10 league, lineup start 9 league, right? 12 team, let's call it. Let's call it, you know, the standard settings. Let's not get too crazy just off the rip for the example here, Mike. When you quarterback hoard in this league, like, it can work when you get down to the crusty ones as far as, like, a Jared Goff. You can absolutely leverage even still in a league like that, right? Yes. But that's getting to the bottom of where you have to, at that point, stop the quarterback hoard as far as, as you go down the list of quarterbacks. Because a- after that point... What are people going to trade you for this said quarterback in the skill player range or even pick range, right? right? Now, because it's lineup start nine, the quarterbacks are extremely valuable, though. So if I can get, for example, Mike, if you were able to take for the first three picks of this startup, let's say you were in a position to net, let's call it Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, and let's say maybe it's uh, C.J. Stroud because of where he's going in ADP. All right, let's just say those are the three you net, right? Now, most people here, they're going to do something like this, and they're going to say this is part of the problem with the quarterback horde, but it's also knowing your format. There, those quarterbacks all absolutely matter in the, in the horde range. But let's say you get to the round four, and people aren't appropriately drafting quarterback. Yep. You probably, from and most people, they don't really want to lean into this quarterback horde because what they're doing is they're just going to say, okay, I've already taken three quarterbacks in the first three rounds. Like I got to figure out what I'm doing with my team. But if you've seen that not many other quarterbacks are going off the board, you, what you need to do to really lean into the quarterback horde is take a fourth in the fourth round. That's what you have to do that I think most people fail on doing and really making the quarterback horde actually happen. Because right there in the first three rounds, you have three quarterbacks, one of which is a rookie that's kind of built on hype right now and maybe doesn't actually stay the test of time. 
Dak's a fine quarterback too, but you've never that hasn't really done anything to leverage you into this quarterback court right now. But if you were to add, let's say, somehow in round four, Daniel Jones to a tongue of Iloa, okay. Now we're starting to really get the quarterback horde going. Yes, because there's not enough teams, and you're high enough in the quarterback range to where who? what are these teams going to fill their quarterback spots with? You took four of the top 15, 16. Now you're talking. Round five even. Now this is where you get crazy. This is where the quarterback order for me, Mike, is where at this spot, if you can still get another one, let's say it's a, a Goff or a Pickett, or one of you, the Tua, Daniel Jones, someone in that range, even like a Russell Wilson, is it your fifth quarterback? That some people have to come to you, and you are the only you're the only store in town that can just freely give away quarterbacks. You can't do that anywhere else. So, part of it is one knowing your league, like in lineup. There, it's very different. Whereas in best ball, I can go further down the list here. For example, like I don't have yeah. to stop at the Jared Goff range. I can take a Mac Jones as my quarterback four or five. And someone will pay up for a Mac Jones in a league like that. Maybe nothing crazy, but Mac Jones is a totally different value in best ball. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, guys in this basement range that people think about in dynasty, they're differently valued in a best ball league than in lineup. So it's kind of knowing your lineup formats, it's a best ball lineup league, and, and then also really leaning into the quarterback court, I think is the, the two biggest things for me, Mike. The first thing, too, is uh, for me, what I always look at is what my league settings are, kind of what you talked about before. What I'm looking at, is it two QB or is it QB and a super flex? Because if it's two QB, oh boy, oh boy, do I have the leverage. Because we've all seen those when they actually have to push the button on the quarterback. There are still people, and and let me preface this by saying this is a thousand percent wrong way to look at it. This is... This is a horrible way to look at the super flex position, but they go, oh, I have three running backs. So if I just insert running back number three, which may be a very good one, like, let's say their RB3 is Josh Jacobs. They think in their brain, they're like, every week I'm going to start Josh Jacobs in my super flex spot so I don't have to worry about it. But they fail to realize that all the other flex spots are now a lot shittier. <laughs> a lot shittier. In reality, your super flex spots, and this is why in sleeper best ball leagues, it's so awesome to see when it's when it's super flex and when it's auto-populating. The super flex spot is the last flex spot that it fills, right? So if you didn't have a quarterback that, that scored enough points to get in that spot, it'll put your worst bench option, your worst best bench option into the place. Right? So it may be your RB5, it may be your RB6, it may be your wide receiver 7, whoever the hell it may be is the one going in your super flex spot. But some people will talk them into this fallacy that if I've got three really good running backs, I only have to start two, I just put it in my super flex spot and I can get by. Not really the case, right? The, the beauty of the super flex is the fact that you can, if needed, put a position player in there. But it is probably wrong to do 99.9999999% of the time. Like you're going to want a quarterback in there, right? Optimally, you want a quarterback in there because they're the ones who score the most fantasy points. They're the ones who have the highest floor of fantasy points, and they are the most consistent in scoring fantasy points. So I always look at it. Is it 2QB or is it Superflex? If it's 2QB, oh, my gosh, I just ramp up the QB horde to another degree. Right, we take it to we take it to eleven. Right? Shout out to all your Spinal Tap fans from way back in the day. This one goes to eleven. Um, Superflex, on the other hand, Adam, exactly what you're talking about. If it's a lineup league, 
there is a range of quarterback where I just kind of cut it off. Um, I'm a Mac Jones fan, so I still would include him in there. But definitely, if you're just talking in that range of quarterbacks that really don't matter, you probably shouldn't be hoarding them for for quarterbacks. It's going to be your Jimmy G's, your Ryan Tannehill's. Uh, as much as as much as I will talk love about Will Levis, it's probably a bad bet to QB hoard Will Levis, thinking it's going to be something. Uh, so those are the guys I tend to avoid. But I'm with you. The thing most people won't do is in round four, in round five, take that quarterback. Now, don't reach on him. Like if here's the thing: when we do a startup draft, a traditional snake draft together, Adam, and, and you do this too, we get a feel of the board, how you're going. Right. Ideally, I want the two elite quarterback startup strat everywhere. But you know, but a lot of times that doesn't can, work. Can we you just know? touch on that real quick though, Mike? Because I think that's yeah. the best part about this is now. Like it's opt- it's optimal in almost everywhere to take the two quarterbacks in the first two rounds if you can do it, right? Yeah. So the best part about it is it, it can still come organically because you're going to do that anyway. Like ideally, you're going to take the two quarterbacks. So now it's more about what's happening and what's the board letting come to you now because sometimes the quarterbacks are all gone. And you're not going to quarterback hoard when we get to that spot, right? That's kind of what we're alluding to here. But if there's a scenario where people are letting the quarterbacks fall. You're already primed because you have taken two in the first two rounds. That, that I think, is one of the big things I at least wanted to touch on. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. I'm just saying in general for my startup strat, I always want to trade up and get two top eight quarterbacks. Right? <laughs> right. That is that is what I try to do in best ball leagues, lineup leagues, start nine, start 13. doesn't really matter. I still want to do that strat. But a lot of leagues, that it doesn't happen. You don't, you don't find the dance partners. Or even when I go absurd and I say, like, I'll give my second, third, and fourth to do this move there's some people out there who know better right we get in sharp leagues and you can't find that fish or maybe you weren't the first one to find the fish and now the fish is uh the fish pond is empty you know what i mean like we've all been there too where you're like damn it damn man if i would have known that i should have i should have been hitting this guy up shoot a hundred percent but so let's just say that you couldn't make that move and you do exactly what you're talking about like optimally when i talk about doing a snake startup a traditional one you know, picking at the back half in a third round reversal ain't the worst thing. And it ain't the worst thing because it does lead you to a couple options. Like, I don't want to talk about the other ones, but let's say you're one of the only teams that can get two top 12 quarterbacks and not have to pay up for them. So what you were talking about, you get a Dak Prescott, you get a Trevor Lawrence, right? That's your first two pick start. You said in the third round, you get CJ Stroud. Very reasonable based on ADP. If I get to the fourth round, though, and like you're talking, two is gone. Daniel Jones is already gone. Um, let's say Kirk Cousins is already gone. The fourth round, I start to make the evaluation of, do I want to lean into the QB horde? I've already taken three. Do I want to lean in anymore? And how deep do I want to lean into it? Because if, if if the next choice in me taking in the fourth round is like a Trey Lance, I can talk myself into it. Or, or even for me, like a Russell Wilson, I can talk myself into that from a production standpoint. But Adam, if like the next quarter, like the quarterback run has been heavy because I put so much pressure on people in the first three rounds, the next quarterback that I get to choose from is Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Kenny Pickett, Aaron Rodgers in the fourth round of a startup. As much as I want to do the QB horde, at that point I will pivot and I will hit the abort button. You know what I mean? Like I'm good with three. (laughs) I'm not doing the QB horde. Maybe we'll revisit it in a few rounds, but everybody else is caught up to it. But to your point, if I'm sitting there and I'm staring and I'm going, man, 
holy hell, Kyler's available in the early part of a third-round reversal still here. Tua's available. Daniel Jones is available. Like, these quarterbacks are still readily available, and people haven't started taking their first one. Or they haven't they haven't got a good if they have a good first one maybe they just took it in the third round then I'm leaning in I'm leaning in all all I can in that fourth round so I think that is something to evaluate the board and kind of figure out what everybody else is doing and it's one thing I keep in mind when I do a startup is you know I go right to sleeper and I start looking at teams when I'm on the clock right and I I may have the beginnings of a QB horde going and I'm looking I'm going. Oh, this guy doesn't have a quarterback. And I just start counting on my my big fat fingers. One, two, three. Oh, this guy. There's four guys without a QB1. And then I start counting. There's seven guys without a QB2. Holy cow. All right. I'm ready. I'm leaning in. I'm leaning into the QB horde. So keeping that in mind while you're in the mid-draft and, and pivoting as as it develops is big for me like that is the first step for me because i'm not going to lean into a qb horde if everybody else already has qbs and i got to reach for a geno smith in the fourth round like nah, i'm good man no thank you that well and that's part of why it's hard to talk about and i think why um you know mike and i are big proponents of this and we've we've done it very well and we've also seen where we've not done it well and it's we lean too much into it and we can speak to both sides of it, I think, to where it actually matters. And I think why it's so hard to talk about though is it's it's fluid. It's 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 like auction in a way, in the same kind of uh fluidity of of reading the board and reading your league. So what I mean by this is there's two things I look for if you just want to kind of get basic about it. One, like I what'll happen a lot of times is people see ADP, let's say, right? And they're gonna say, okay. Daniel Jones goes in the fifth. So I don't – they might convince themselves, even though they need a quarterback too, they don't They don't want to take him in the back half of the fourth, right? So then they miss on that. And then it's like, okay, well, Jared Goff's a six-round pick. And then they end up missing on that. They don't want to take quarterbacks ahead of ADP. When you see a lot of that happening, right? So it's a combination of where the quarterbacks are going and also the biggest thing is to look at the teams. How many teams are, are – desperate for quarterback outside of maybe one because if you have several teams that are building and this is the best part about it in like four and five and six and you see okay let's say they took josh allen and let's say they stacked it with digs and let's say on the way back now they got a barkley right and they got you know let's use another older guy cooper cup or um nick chubb they built the team they want to win with right they're already building that that type of a build if they don't have their quarterback too, they are going to find out in a hurry if they run out of the quarterbacks. So it's a combination of how many teams are needing a quarterback too, don't even have a very secure one, um, as well as how many quarterbacks are left that you feel like can be hoarded, right? So what I mean by that is at a certain point, what's your cutoff in this league? So if it's a lineup start 10 and you want to say the cutoff is, you know, after Derek Carr, after Aaron Rodgers, something like that, fine. So how many of those guys are left? How many teams need the quarterback to? And what round are we in? Because there's a spot where when you see the quarterback thirst happen, when people start to see this at once, you'll see a wave of six of them go. If you have three or four or five of these quarterbacks in a scenario like that, people want to win, they built to win, and you're the only store in town unless they want to roll out you know, Desmond Ritter, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Howe. 
Baker Mayfield. I don't know if you guys have seen right. anything going on in Bucks camp, but uh, Trask and Baker Mayfield look like they're not very good at football right now from everything I've seen as far as throws. So the point is in a lineup start 10, that's where the leverage is. It's kind of seeing how many quarterbacks are available, what round are we in, and how many teams are needing them um, to really lean into it. You can definitely expand it in a best ball. And I'm going to highlight this point. So you and I, uh, Ike, Gene, uh, Chase, and Maddie, uh, and some other people are in this uh, league that we started right before the Fantasy Football Expo, right? Um, I, I wouldn't say right before the Fantasy Football Expo last year because we did it pre-NFL draft, um, pre, pre-knowing landing spots. It was when everybody – decided on going to the expo and we knew that a lot of these right. guys were, were going to meet at the expo but yeah we, right. we call it the expo right we call it the expo league and uh this is probably i, I want to give an example of a bad qb horde that still worked out so to the point of lineup versus best ball keep in mind this is a best ball league so you can get a lot crustier at the quarterbacks and still make out okay um lineup leagues especially the shallower ones to Adam's point, there's a there's a pretty clear cutoff where I don't feel good about doing it anymore, right? Because the the return that you're going to get doesn't match up. But in a best ball league where people need quarterbacks all the time, and and if you listen to our roster construction series that we did with Scott, big big at the quarterback spot, right? Depth. Even if you have two elite studs, you still want those guys who have the opportunity to make a lineup because there was only one quarterback last year who was a above average option every single week, even in best ball leagues, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And outside of that, nobody else exists. You know, nobody else came close to doing that. Now, they did it at different clips, but here's where it was, all right? So we did this pre-NFL draft, and I did this QE horde, and I did it to the extreme, right? I, I do a lot of what Adam and I call, uh, you know, the portfolio. So there's a lot of leagues where I'm willing to go out on limbs and test out theories and push stuff to the extreme just to – to see how bad it can get, right? To see if this actually works or if it doesn't work. And, you know, if I don't ever win this league, it doesn't really matter because there's 29 others that I have the opportunity to, to win in. So I started off Deshaun Watson. Now, this is where you know it was pre-NFL draft because I took Malik Willis in the third round of the startup draft. <laughs> QB. Uh, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Desmond Ritter, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones, and Jared Goff. Right. We got 10 quarterbacks. Adam. The only pick that wasn't a quarterback was my very first first round selection of DeAndre Swift. And I traded him away right away. So that part is just relevant. Adam, I didn't trade. Nobody would give me what I wanted for the quarterbacks. Right. Because, well, and this is this is one of the feared things is yes. um, of the quarterback horde. Well, OK, but if no one trades with me now, I'm stuck with all these guys. Right. This is one of the feared parts of the quarterback court is 100% you're subject to – people think you're subject to your league basically forming a wall against you and saying, okay, we're just going to play the league out and let him have all these quarterbacks and we're just going to play you know, this league where everyone just has one decent one or has one quarterback in their lineup. We'll see if the best man win. Like That's what people are afraid will happen. Right. And because I leaned into the QB horde after I'd already made my first round selection, I didn't decide till the second round. Otherwise, my first round selection would have been a quarterback at the time, but I didn't lean into it at the time. Still a big DeAndre Swift fan, if you couldn't tell. But since I leaned into it after, right, made the pivot, I traded away DeAndre Swift, get some draft capital, uh, trade away some old older vets, not quarterbacks, and just lean into the fact that 
I have the quarterbacks. Either you pay me the price that I want or I'm comfortable being absolutely horrible and, and productive struggling or tanking or whatever you want to call it, year one. Um, fast forward now, where the team sits. Post-draft with the draft picks from the position players that I sent away and not sending away any quarterbacks. And some of those quarterbacks being absolute zeros and dead, right? Like Matt Ryan, not in the league. <laughs> that's a that's a lost one. Uh, Malik Willis, still on my roster, but doesn't uh, have any value <laughs> per se at all. It's uh, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Mac Jones, Malik, Desmond Ritter, Anthony Richardson, because I had very high draft pick, uh, Derek Carr, Will Levis, Ryan Tannehill, and Zach Wilson now. But the thing is, because I was so bad, I also landed myself Bijan Robinson because I was willing to lean into the QB horde and nobody would trade and I, you know, no trade for a quarterback. I traded away the other skill positions and leaned into the rebuild, right? Guys that were older in the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th round that had value in a best ball league, traded those away, swapped some picks around. I also have Quentin Johnson on this team. I also have Zay Flowers on this team. I also have Dolchich, a Quanquo. Right. I also have Tucker Craft, Sam Laporta, draft picks, young up and coming assets. So now the team around the QB horde is starting to look a lot more fluid and a lot more better. I have good young assets to build around these quarterbacks that I'm still stuck with. And those quarterbacks that I'm still stuck with aren't that bad, anyways. Right. A lot of those guys you go into best ball league. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill's worth something. Now, What's the value on them? Somebody's going to need a Ryan Tannehill at some point. Somebody would like a Derek Carr or a Will Levis. Definitely people would like an Anthony Richardson. Desmond Ritter has a starting job. Matt Jared Jones Goff. is still starting. Jared Goff is still starting. And Deshaun Watson falls into that top nine QB category. So we are still right back into year two of the QB horde where I have all these guys and a lot of people are struggling. But now I have more assets on my team to build around them. So even if you, you have this QB horde that fails – like absolutely fails from the standpoint of I didn't trade a single one of them away. I wasn't able to leverage a damn one year two. I still feel really damn good about that team and where it is. Not that I'm competing, but it does have the tools or the potential where if it takes one person who goes, you know, damn, I lost a Carson once this year, or I lost a, you know, you know, I don't really feel good about Baker Mayfield anymore being my QB two or, like your team's in the league, right? You drafted C.J. Stroud, but that's still basically your only quarterback in the league. If you get the itch that you want to compete or like you're feeling good about the rest of your team around, who's the only guy that you can go see for quarterback? You. Yeah. The only guy. Which is where, which is why for me in this team, it's like okay, I got to basically see for a couple weeks because I'm because of what you've done and because I know what you have in leverage, I have to now. I I rebuilt it last year. Now I feel better about it, but I also have to say. Let's see a couple weeks. If this team looks like, all right, right we're, we're ready to go. It's deep enough. All right, maybe I have to go to the McNutted house, which no one ever wants to go to. Um, nobody ever wants to go to in this scenario. No. But the point is someone eventually caves or you will continue to reap a good draft pick, continue to trade away young assets and get yourself in a position to win even with the quarterbacks the way they are. And this is where you're basically admitting – you took too many and too many down the list, but even still, yes. it's not like you've got a team that never can win and you're screwed for forever because of what you did, right? No, and the other thing, you got to think about it from a league dynamic. There are teams out there who have a good 
elite quarterback. And I say that singularly, right? Like, there's a team who has Patrick Mahomes and nothing else. Like, nothing else at the quarterback spot. There's a team who has Justin Herbert and nothing else at the quarterback spot. In a best ball league where you want multiple options, even if you have two studs, these guys only have one stud. The part that puts the pressure on them is the rest of their roster construction, right? If you have a Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, Travis Kelsey, like you have these older aging assets as well. Like you feel like you're pissing away a chance to win the league while those guys are in the prime because their value is going nothing but down from here. Like they're going to zero. Adam, if if you're it's you in that position, on the other hand, and you have a lot of young assets, right? You don't have the ones where the dynasty clock is ticking very, very fastly fast for. Not a big deal, right? You're not as inclined to go to the the, the McNutted store <laughs> and start shopping. But if I've got Patrick Mahomes and I've got Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey and, you know, let's say like Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, like I have a good best ball roster, but it's all old, crusty guys that can fall off a cliff in a minute. Like, listen, I want to maximize the shit out of my window. And if that costs me 24 picks, if that costs me 25 picks, if that costs me the one or two youthful guys that I have on my roster, from the opposite end of the standpoint, I am willing, if I was on the opposite end, I'm willing just because the dynasty clock is so far against me, I want to maximize my chances of winning this year. And that's the thing about the QB horde is the league can band against you and not anybody trade for a quarterback, but it only takes one. It only takes one of those guys to go, you know what, I do want to buy a Jared Goff for a future first, right? I do think it's an overpay, but I need a second quarterback. And while I'm here – let me give you two seconds, future. I'll give you 24 and 25 seconds for Ryan Tannehill. Let me get that third quarterback as well, right? It takes one of those guys to do it for somebody else in a similar situation to go, damn, the floodgates are open. Now this guy actually has quarterbacks. We're not on a level playing field. I also have a very similar situation. I should probably go see what McNutt wants. So that is the beauty of the QB horde is that it only takes the one guy to open up, the one guy to go, all right, you know what? I'll cave. I'll pay your prices. I'll pay whatever the hell I need. Let me get these QBs. I want to maximize my chances to win this year. And then somebody else goes, yeah, I do too. <laughs> Let me go match them. And all of a sudden, now you got a bidding war and a QB horde going on at the same time, which is bliss. Yeah, that, that that's the big thing too is um, I, I also think like I want to, I want to say th- this can work out a few different ways. And the, the reason I want to say this is all right, so Mike's talking about the extreme version there, with you get where you got ten quarterbacks in the draft, right? Right. So there's going to be times if you if you do this, uh, um, where let's say you get your first three, four picks or quarterbacks, right? And let's say even on the fourth or the fifth one, sometimes in the startup, people realize what's happening and they realize, okay, shit. Oh man, what did I? What have I done? Like I didn't even I didn't see this coming, and now the quarterback. This is one of the things about the quarterback horde is it can totally be dependent on what your league does in the in the startup. Sometimes it's like where Mike is here, where they just keep letting him fall, and he just keeps taking them and taking them, and then eventually it's like, all right, well he has them all, and we're just not going to trade them. Maybe that'll happen. That's probably more the extreme version, and he also admitted that he took quarterbacks that were too far down the list. Sometimes what's going to happen is. Your quarterback hoarding for the first four picks, and then you do it again in the fifth, 
people start to see, okay, the quarterback room is drying up and there's a rush of quarterbacks. You'll start a quarterback run, okay? This is going to happen in the fifth to sixth round typically. All of a sudden, everybody secures their quarterback twos, and then there's going to be a few teams that don't have one, and you're looking at the dumpster fires. And those are the teams that are like, let me just go ahead and correct my mistake right now in the startup and pay what it costs to undo this error. And sometimes you just reap the reward right there. You end up with three quarterbacks. You trade away the one to the guy, and you end up getting, let's say, you know, and a first in value because of that. Right. Great. You still you still executed the quarterback court. I want there, there's levels to how it can play out, and it's a lot of it's dependent on your league. That's what makes it scary for people. So that's one scenario. Another scenario is you take your the first five rounds of quarterbacks. Then all of a sudden the sixth round, you you have the opportunity, you better hit it again. Right? And you hit it again. Maybe people are gonna stonewall you for a little bit, but that only is gonna last so long typically. And the way it can go from here is one of two things. You end up where Mike's at. Like, we're going to let you have them all. And you have to be – this is the one thing if you're really going to lean into the quarterback court. You have to be comfortable and okay operating in the fact of I am not moving what my price is on these guys, and I have the leverage. And if I don't get the price today, I'll rebuild for a season. I may have to rebuild for two seasons if push comes to shove. But if you can get yourself to say, I have those type of cojones, and I'm going to just – stonewall this you're not going to move i'm not moving these at your terms you're going to move on mine see what's going to typically happen mike's the extreme version there but what's typically going to happen is someone's going to say okay i need a quarterback they're either going to come for one of the high ones or the low ones but the beauty is they can pick you charge them a price that's a little over market but they go through right they they pay Whatever it is, whether they want to use draft capital, you've already, you've already committed at this point. You're comfortable rebuilding if you have to. The, the beauty now is they're not sending you a QB. They can send you whatever value you want that fits their build. So you want to take their DC in the future? Cool. First two seconds, two first, done. Here you go. Here's one of your quarterbacks. They want to give you a couple skill players. Cool. We can do it that way. We can carve it up however you want, whether it's now or later. But a lot of times it'll happen now. It'll happen either during the startup. It'll happen immediately after the startup when a team's like, man, this team's really good. I just need I need a quarterback. When you trade the first one at a price that's, let's even say a little over market but reasonable, the dominoes can fall. That's when it can start really playing off for you because when, when one of those trades go through, all right, well, what about this quarterback? What about Trey Lance? What about Derek Carr? What about whoever you've taken and – you have to kind of be comfortable knowing that the value is in the super flex and quarterback position and just staying true to this is what the price is. If you don't meet it, I'm going to stick with it and I'll rebuild if I have to. The the, the prices don't have to be insane. They don't. I also kind of evaluate how I do when, when you have somebody else's first in their rebuilding, right? Or, you know, you've had their first – I don't know how many times you and I have done it on the trade show or, you know, we, we discussed these back and forth, but you can do some of the same principles from a QB horde as you can with, with people's future first when they rebuild. So Adam, you're talking about like one of the best things I love to do is, is to take future draft capital because not only does it set up the QB horde where I get to charge a little bit more than what they're actually worth because they were asleep at the wheel, 
but I can also maybe set up a scenario where if I'm taking your 25 first, you may have a team for two years that's completely fine, right? You got the quarterback that you needed, your playoff team. All of a sudden, it falls off a map, though, in 2025. And now you're also coming back to me to go like, hey, what's it take to get my 25 first back? Like, I want to rebuild. You know, I don't want you to have the 25 101 next year. (laughs) Oh, by the way, now I'm going to leverage you again a second time where it started way back in 2023 when we did the startup draft and you were asleep at the wheel at quarterback. Now you're going to overpay for your pick back, right? So you get the double whammy. It is is one of the most beautiful things to do to get the draft capital. But I, I treat it the same where I don't have to charge them everything. You know, I don't have to be a complete ass about it. I can just, I'm, I'm going to let you feel me. How about that? Like, I'm going to let you know that I'm there, right? You want this pick? Traditionally, it's worth about this much. But because it's yours and I know I can feel the desperation, I'm going to charge you a little bit more. Same thing in the quarterback, right? The QB horde. You had the opportunity to take them at the cost of a fourth or a fifth round startup. You decided against it. You wanted to take wide receiver, whatever. So if you were talking about like in the fourth round, here's a good example. Tua, right? That's your fourth round quarterback. Tua falls falls to the 402. Somebody right after takes uh, JSN, okay? And, And for a lot of people, they go, oh, man. Like JSN or Tua, what's well, a toss up? If you need a quarterback, it's probably Tua. But you know, if you you have concerns about Tua, it's, it's JSN. It's that very even range. They come back to you, they took JSN. Come round six, seven, there's nothing left for quarterbacks that they want. You have this QB horde going on, and they come to you in the startup and go, "Hey, what's it take to get Tua?" Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Underdog! That's right. Destination Debbie is now partnered with Underdog. It's an incredible opportunity, and you know my affinity for best ball. How about getting in those contests and taking down some of these big tournaments, getting that best ball money. And right now, if you sign up with promo code 4DCHESS, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to the first $100. And the best part is Destination Debbie Discord will be free to you for a year. You will get access to all the strategy that we will be talking about as far as taking down some of these tournaments and the best ball tools that will come with it. What a perfect marriage. Destination Debbie, 40 chess, underdog, best ball, say less and sign me up. Now, back to the show. Let me get JSN in your first. I ain't doing that, man. They went right around the same picks. That's your fault. That's your fault. You had the opportunity, right? You took JSN before you took Tua. That's your fault. It's your fault for sleeping on quarterbacks. Or you really wanted JSN. Like, that's the tax that you add to it. Or one of the things that's easiest for me to do is say in the third round they took T. Higgins, right? Like, that's a a full round above where Tua went. I'm like, let me get T. Higgins. Oh, he was a third-round startup. I'm not trading you a third-round startup for a fourth-rounder. Yeah, but I have the QBs and you don't. And which one carries more weight in Superflex leagues? 
There's a reason you're in my DMs right now. There's a reason you're in my inbox right now asking for a quarterback and not a receiver. So that's the tax that I want. It doesn't have to be absurd. I'm not asking, you know, to get their Trevor Lawrence off of them or to get their Jamar Chase for my Tua. Now, you can be a, a, a prick and ask for that, and we've seen it. It's probably not going to work out for you, but I will tax them just a little bit. It doesn't have to be absurd amounts, but I want it to be enough where they're going to feel me. Yeah, and, and Mike, um, I, I kind of want to go through two uh, actual examples. Now, granted, in order to give you examples and how they panned out, we have to go back a couple years in startups, right? And I, Mike, Mike gave you a scenario right now how it could play out um, with this year. And I kind of want to talk about a couple startups where I've seen it happen just to give examples and then yeah. also talk about how the current market is different from what it was. And uh, we're going to go to 2021 for two of these. All right, so the first one in 2021. Now, this is best ball, all right? So it's not lineup. I have the 110. So I trade out of the 110 because at that spot, I don't even really feel that great about quarterbacks I'm going to get there. I uh, trade out of the 110 for a future first, um, a third round pick, and a fifth round pick. All right, so startup pick. So third, and I go basically from the 110 down to the three and a five, right. and a first. Now, if you're in a lineup league, you're you're doing that, right? And that was a principle that I kind of exploited at the time of like, this is best ball though. I want the three for one, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so still have my second round pick. Second round pick, my first pick in this quarterback order, which was successful, which is going to be hilarious. The first quarterback I take was Trey Lance at the 203. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so go then back in the time machine, yeah, when he go was back when he was, you know, first round startup pick. He was the one everybody wanted in the 21 class, right? It was him and Lawrence. Um, okay. So I take that, come back around all the way um, to, you know, it, it is third round reversal. So by the time I come up at the 303, somehow, and this was shocking to me, at this point, Mike, I'm not even planning everyone dynasty degenerates. I'm not planning necessarily to QB hoard. Now, if you, you've heard us, you know, almost 40 minutes into this episode, we were ready to quarterback hoard when it's there. Yes. I traded out of my first. I'm definitely not planning to quarterback hoard, right? But 203, I'd take Lance. The 303 somehow Fields is there. Mike, I'll be honest with you. At the time, 203 and 303 for me were close. Like, yeah. I thought about Fields. I really did. Yeah. Like, I, I, I liked them. They were yep. – I didn't know which one I wanted, and the fact that he was there, I had no choice. Take fields. Okay. So then we come back to that third-round pick that I had, and at the time, this was actually a reach, but Deshaun Watson was like, this is like the criminal activity. There's uncertainties. He's going to miss the whole season, all that stuff. Yep. Which he did, by the way. Uh, but Deshaun Watson ends up being my pick at the 310. So then it um, comes back to me in the fourth round. And, you know, this is when Ryan Tannehill was uh, coming off of one of his better seasons and had a totally different situation actually, as a quarterback, right? He was right? actually good at football. Right? right. People thought he was, you know, one of these quarterbacks that, you know, he he revitalized himself in uh, in Tennessee, and he's going to be great. And he's hyper-efficient. I know you hear the name now, right? And it's like, ugh. But you got to remember, this is 2021 you're talking about. He's coming off a QB8 finish, right? Like hyper-efficient. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that – and that's why I, I want to go through this and and show you that the names can fluctuate year to year, right? But so at this point, think about it, right? I, I, I moved out of my first round pick. In the second round, I took Lance. I didn't remember again. I didn't get a second round startup pick. So I had Trey Lance. In the third round, I took Fields and Watson. In the fourth round, I took Tannehill. 
So right now you're already telling me if you just can have a time machine, two of these four picks, you're like, these are trash, right? Like if you had a time machine, you could say Lance and and Tannehill stink, right? Okay. But you you didn't have the time. Uh, Fifth round. So now we come around the corner. Um, It's the 503. Uh, Jalen Hurts is my pick. (laughs) Think about that one now. Oh, man. Jalen Hurts is my pick. And I remember the funny part is I was like, okay, I missed Tua by a pick. And I'm like, man, that's who I wanted. But I was like, you know what, man? I'm in the quarterback court. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. And I got Jalen Hurts. And at this point, people still weren't quite hip to what I was doing enough to where, like, there was another run of primarily skilled players. So the sixth round now, I'm coming on the very way back. Um, I traded out of that fifth round pick I earned from Roster Bader for future draft capital. The sixth round pick of mine ends up being Mac Jones, um, who's, I know, again, gross, but at the time in best ball and how he played, like you're, it's not that bad. He's going to be their starter, basically. Especially what happened, too, by the way, Mike, is uh, the Cam Newton cut happens, and that's when yes. I leveraged out of Mac Jones at that spot when he was yep. cut by um, – when Cam Newton was cut, Mac Jones was obviously the starter. So then the crazy part, man, I look, the seventh round, again, I now lean into it to the fullest degree. It's Carson Wentz, and you're probably, what have you done to your team? But, like, the future and what we see from them isn't necessarily it. But just th- think about that for a second. We're seven rounds into the startup. I haven't touched a skill player. All I've done in my trades is get future liquidity and quarterbacks. So, I, obviously, if you're not taking a skill player until the eighth round, you you're, you have no chance of winning without a ton of trading. Right. I, but I've leaned into that. Here is a, w- how this ended up playing out for me, and I think this is where people have to kind of imagine how it can play out differently between what your league mates wanted to do. What I talked about was I got out of that first-round pick and traded back and got liquidity, right? A lot of these tra- uh, picks and trades – I was picking up liquidity to move back, which what does that do? It forces managers that have given up their liquidity to want to contend. So because that was what of what was happening between me doing this, Mike doing this, I think someone else was picking up picks too in this draft. There were managers that were committed to winning. And I have quarterbacks. So if you are committed to winning and someone has quarterbacks and is willing to take either future draft capital or skill players, they want to win. They're, they're already forcing their hand of winning. So, Mike, I was able to trade out of every single one of those but Justin Fields. Every single one of those. And what, did, what do you think is going to happen when all these managers have already sent future draft capital? They're going to send more future draft capital. Right. So it forced me to just basically liquidate every one of these quarterbacks. And the best part about this is Mike's point of he got stuck with the ones that were bad. Because I had leveraged all of them so early, and at the time they're viewed very highly – I was able to liquidate them all in Dodge landmines. And I probably also sold out light on, you know, Jalen hurts for sure. Like I know for a fact, I sold out light on Jalen hurts, but I also missed the landmines. I I didn't get stuck with Trey Lance two years later and no one knows what to do with them. I didn't get stuck with Ryan Tannehill. So I liquidated all those and I basically controlled the draft for two seasons. And the biggest part there was the content. Everybody, I convinced nine out of 12 managers that they're ready to contend. What happens because of that? Nine out of 12 can't contend. Six out of the 12 could maybe give themselves a scenario and tell themselves a story they can contend. So you're holding people's future. You had leverage at quarterbacks. Now you have leverage in draft capital. 
that's an extreme scenario. Um, I can tell you right now, I could read that team off to you. Um, Mike, should I do it? Should I give him the team right now today? Yeah, where it I... sits right now. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do that. Um, so, so just to like, go ahead, I'm in this, give, give it, give I'm, it preface and kind of talk through it for your side too. I'm in this league, right? And I was one of those teams who who competed, right? And I'm one of those teams who, at some point, you talked about taking Justin Fields. Guess whose team Justin Fields is sitting on right now? Mine. Right. And I'm the one who had to come to Adam, had to come to the the QB of Adam because I'm sitting there with. Matt Ryan and Sam Darnold as my QB two. Go what on. was the trade? I, I actually don't know it, so pull it up if you have it. Do you have it? Oh yeah, uh, I received Curtis Samuel. So this was done in 2021, August 14, 2021. So what rookie year of uh, Justin Fields? Yep, rookie year of Justin Fields. I hadn't played a game yet. I come to you and I get Curtis Samuel. Decent enough. We're talking best ball. Adam Troutman, who you and I loved, and Diami Brown. Who, uh, you know, in best ball, I was like, eh, he might give me a week. Yep. Uh, no. <laughs> but Justin Fields, that's the price. And what am I sending away? Hunter Long. Okay, my 22 first, my 22 second, my 23 first, my 23 second, my 24 first, and my 24 third oh. for one quarterback. Yeah. Well, because you thought you were getting into the pieces at the time, but they, they didn't pan out. Think think about that where it is now. Like how much I love Justin Fields, Adam. If I told you I was going to give you three first and two seconds just for Justin Fields, what do you say? There's no way I don't take it. Even if even if that's right. my quarterback two, and I'm like I don't have a quarterback two. Like even then, if I know I have to go into a quarterback horde market, right. like I'll I'll take the liquidity. I know right. I can buy. I know I can buy in that market. But that's the kind of leverage that you had over the league because everybody else is competing, and I'm sitting there going. <laughs> And I don't feel good about this guy being a quarterback, you know, my QB2. I don't feel good about Sam Darnold being my QB3. I need somebody else. That's the price you pay for for Justin Fields. So you sent there, and you think about it too. Like at the time you're doing this in 2021, you're, you're coveting 22 picks, right? But you're way okay because you know your team and where it's going to be at. You're way okay going like, oh, yeah. Just give me that, you know, because it's a 23 and a 24 first at the time. Just toss that in. and I'll treat it like a couple seconds. So, in reality, you're giving me like a first in like five seconds. And for, can we, for, for can we talk about people. that too? Because if it was today, like you hear 24 first, people are ecstatic right. for 24 right now. But that was today taking a 26 first for context. That's how far out 24 was in the 2021 season. It, yes. If someone's throwing around 26 first today, you're like, whatever, I'll, I'll get it back later. Like, I have my 26 first, I'll figure out what to do later. But in the process of taking all those picks, that's kind of why I took the devalue 24 first. Not knowing how good the 24 class was going to be, but knowing there were some guys in it, you know? On the other end of the spectrum, like, it was the price that I had to pay. And, you know, the last couple of years since that league's been in, I don't think I've won it, but I think I finished second both times. You know what I mean? Like always a bridesmaid, never the bride, but it's paid money back. Like I haven't had to play league dues because I'm winning money in the second place one. So it was a steep price to pay, but it's something when you're looking at your team, even me who I understood exactly what Adam's doing because I'm one of the ones who loves to do it. And I know the price that I got to pay for Justin Fields is absurd, but that's what I was talking about in the Expo League. It's the same kind of thing. Like at some point, somebody wisens up, wisens up, and goes, "Listen, I know it's ridiculous, but this is about money, and I, I want to win." 
Like right. I don't right. want to waste the rest of my roster just because I'm too damn stubborn. Like I, fine. I will meet your prices. I will pay your three firsts and, and two seconds or whatever the hell it, I just listed off for Justin Fields, even though he hasn't played a damn game yet. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it's it's kind of crazy looking back at it. Obviously, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But when you when you think about it, right? Even if you're selling these picks devalued, you're, you're there's a scenario where Mike's basically telling himself, if I get Justin Fields, who I believe is a really good dynasty asset and who last year was quarterback five for those that forget that right if i give up these picks fine like at the point that i was doing with this quarterback horde that turned this into picks people are already convincing themselves well adam's gonna be a force to be reckoned with later but like right now i could care less about that i want to win right now and if i win this year or next year or the following year guess what i get guess what i get I can I can watch him try to take over the league and I've got house money. I can watch for three, four seasons and rebuild right. myself later, right? And that's what happened in this scenario. So the reason I want to bring that up is uh, Mike talked about that specific trade. I had the 22 class, and I think this is something that like people talk about with the 26 picks, last year with the 25 picks. Why would I take those? They're too devalued. I get it to an extent, but if you think the league is going to be around – the reason I, I did this and, and I kind of foresaw how I wanted to play this, right? The 22 class, I was going to probably just take a lot of the players that are young values because that class was devalued already. The 23 class was uber hyped. And the 24 class, when I bought a lot of those picks, was just so devalued. But the plan for 24 was never really to get to, you know, making these 24 picks. The process with all this quarterback hoarding, Mike, was 22 make the picks, 23 make the picks or trade the picks. And then in 24, all these picks I have, there's going to be teams that just don't have what it takes. And I can try, I can trade these 24 picks going into the 23 season, right? I basically, that was my thought process. Um, to give you an idea, I can give you a bunch of the trades, but to try to keep it a little simpler on time going into this year, Mike. So I have all, I have nine of the 23s. I have, I think nine of the 24s. And I built a lot of the young assets, right? So on this team still, after the trades that I've made, which is a whole haul of them, I still have Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs. I have Bijan Robinson. Those are uh, Devon A. Chain, Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, Tajay Spears, uh, Banacanda, which, by the way, we did this pre-draft. So I did I did take some L's on some you know other draft picks. Uh Washington from Pittsburgh, Kendry Miller, Tank Bigsby. But like, think about that's already a lot of a lot of the twenty three class and the valuable players. Right. But I also leveraged out of a lot of the twenty three players, a lot of the twenty three picks, and then the twenty four picks. Let me give you some trades that I made recently with uh, to get to the team that I had. So I recently just traded a whole two of the teams that were the worst in the league based on just. Their teams are terrible now, but I had their picks in 23 and 24. I traded some of those 24 picks, um, Trey Lance, Charbonnet, Quentin Johnson, to receive basically Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Stack, and some throw-ins. Um, I also traded for Tyreek Hill. So I traded away George Pickens, uh, Kenny Pickett, Zach Evans, and a 24 second to receive Kirk Cousins and Tyreek Hill, right? Moving the needle towards contending again from a team that's not ready to contend. I end up getting Cooper Cup for... I actually got Cooper Cup and Devontae Smith 
for uh, two, two first and two seconds. So I sent a first and a second apiece for those two receivers on a team that's just not ready to go. I had the picks. They're not ready to win. They want to get off Cooper Cup. I sent Michael Mayer a 24 first and a 24 second for Kyle Pitts. So just I, I can keep going down these type of trades that I make, right? But the, the team now, it looks as Josh Allen, Nick Chubb, Bijan Robinson, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Kyle Pitts, CeeDee Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith, Tyler Lockett, Drake Lennon, Kirk Cousins, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, Aaron Jones, Gabe Davis, Isaiah Pacheco, Rashad White, Jordan Addison, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Devon A-Chain, Noah Fant, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, Michael Carter, Jerome Ford, Daniel Bellinger, Tajay Spears, uh, Washington, uh, yeah, Abanacanda. What's what's <laughs> the, that? The the rest of them. Once you get past like like Devon H, and you can just stop listening. Yeah, Ken, Kendra Bigsby. But the point is, like, I have I actually have I'm five over, but I have the reason I wanted to list it all is like there's depth, but there's also yes. high end assets. This team is going to be tough as all get out to beat now and in the future. Period. Like it's it's yes. ridiculous, right? So this is this is one of those, and this is me being objective, being in the league. This is one of those that is a locked in playoff team. It is a locked in top three contender, and you are you are a couple things away from being like god mode. Okay, it's some of these rookies performing very well. You know that you set up way back in twenty twenty one by getting twenty three seconds. Uh, it is it is is a couple of these rookies from performing very well from being God mode, or it's also one of those if you ever decide at some point to look at it and go, all right, I've built this monster so far, but I'm just like a few pieces away, right? Like Kirk Cousins as my QB two for 2023, anyways. For 2023, anyways, is like oh, okay, I'd feel much better if he was my QB three, and I'd feel fu- fantastic if he was my QB four. You're sitting there with Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young on your bench going like, yeah, I could probably go get a, a really, really good QB too. Oh, yeah, best for sure. You're sitting there with like Jameer Gibbs and Bijan, and you're sitting there with all these young guys, these Jordan Addisons, these Kendrick Millers, these types right there, and you're going, if I just got the stones to really sell out for 23, like I could lock in a title. And it's one of those things we talk about in best ball. Like you have the amount of assets and depth currently, but your your assets that you still have that were questionable about scoring fantasy points in 23 are highly valuable. So there's still ones that you could push in for locked in production in 23 and just lock up the entire league. And if you think about it, you ate shit for, for 21. You ate shit for 22. Those are zeros. You just donated your winnings. Yeah, I'm I'm already down a hundred bucks in this league. There's fifty a year, right? But you win in year three, right? It pays for those two years, and the next five are, right. are completely free. You know what I mean? Like you've right. you've made that all back plus an extra five years in league dues. And that's not even saying that if you do it smart, this could be a team that wins in twenty three wins in 24 maybe wins in 25 you're talking about like for the existence of this league probably as long as we're ever doing content you don't have to pay a dime for it sure and And it's just a matter of whether you win a year or you win two years or you win three years so right i like it you've built a damn monster in this league and and to your point on some of those young guys part of it is like i already know i've kind of already leveraged up a bunch 
and there are some teams that are being stubborn and that's fine like there's just the reality of some teams are just not willing to uh if we want to go you know game of thrones bend the knee yet right so they want to lock into being a contender and i'll wait them out Uh, i think this team's undoubtedly a playoff team so i'll wait them out until they're not ready to make the playoffs and then if they want to take you know the jordan addison types whatever we can make those trades there but point is that that's an extreme version mike gave you one that was not necessarily the best way that it played out right like, it was it was the downside like what could right, happen if you do correct. it badly and, that, and, and that's then, what i mean you're given an example of you quarterback hoarded it didn't go according to plan but he still has a path probably could be the same timeline, Mike. You, you you eat shit for two years and you're ready to go in year three, right? right? That's what this team is built up for. Like you may not have the same level of assets, but you're still could trade out of a bunch of those quarterbacks for either players or liquidity. Now, I wanted to give one more example. You gave the downside. I gave the upside, right? Mike, I'll pull up um, one of our uh, leagues again, which you can utilize the same tactics um, it was the AAF league, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, give you a little inside info. AAF is a failed, uh, football league. Uh, JB, if you're out there listening, you, you already know we made the, this league, the AAF league based on the AAF league is a failed league. And the reality is one quarterback for us. We talk about just not the optimal format. And we're talking about how it's AAF. Um, if you got the one quarterback league, this was not a one quarterback league for what it's worth, but we were in the time just kind of messing with that. But Mike, let me give you another example, Dynasty Degenerates, of of how this can work in a smaller scale, right? You, you don't have to go to the extreme of where Mike's at, where you hold all the quarterbacks. You don't have to go to the extreme I have, where I I took every one of them and traded them all, and took liquidity and made a monster. But in the AFF draft, right? So basically, I oh, wow, that's actually wild to me, Mike. I took Trey Lance the two four. Uh, here I am explaining my Trey Lance love and. <laughs> how it didn't necessarily work out for me again. But so I did that. I um, traded around this draft quite a bit. I ended up getting Waller in the third. Yikes. Mixon in the fourth. Yikes. Um, But point of the draft here that I wanted to make and utilize as an example. So I saw this happening in the fifth round. I didn't want to be a part of the team that didn't, that got stuck in the quarterback hoarding market. Like I'm like, all right, fifth round, I need my quarterback too. I take uh, Ryan Tannehill at 501. So a little mini run happens. It's Zach Wilson 503, Stafford 504, Baker 505. I know these you're puking in your mouth listening to the names. That, that's going to change year in, year out. Uh, Mac Jones goes, Wentz goes. Mike, so five, uh, understand at the 501, my next pick's at 612. The reason I take Tannehill is like I just don't want to, by the time 612 comes around, like I don't want to have nothing at quarterback. That's part of the reason I took Tannehill and I talk about knowing the board, like it felt a little early, but the reality was he was a fourth, fifth round pick, and that's why I took him. Part of the reason was, like, I didn't want to end up taking Eckler um, and then get no quarterback and have to go to this quarterback horde potential scenario. We come all the way back around at the 612. So now I got two picks, 612 and uh, 701. I was not planning on doing this, but the reason I take Tannehill at the 501 is to make sure I, I'm secure at quarterback. Now that I am and I see that the quarterback drafts were not enough, I take Aaron Rodgers at 6'12", and the reason I got him there was I was one of the ones convicted that he's not retiring. It's all Fugazi, Fugazi. It's not an elemental chart. He's not retiring. So I take him, and then I double down, though, at 7'01", and take Kirk Cousins. Then the next 
few picks. Brady went. Matt Ryan went by Mike. Daniel Jones. Sam Darnold goes at the 707. Say whatever you want about him now. I understand these are names that are gross to you. But after that, the market in the 21 year was gross. It was oh, it, People were basically like, it's it. Like, there's no quarterbacks left that I feel like I can actually rely on. So what happens? Teams that were expecting them to come around that didn't have them there, they got to come to somebody. Mike had three. I had four. There's no one else that has more than two. So I end up trading Kirk Cousins, who I got the 701, for Travis Etienne, who went in the fifth round, and I got a plus. <laughs> right. <laughs> because of the quarterback horde, right? And it was a play that I planned to leverage at some point. I didn't know when it would be, but it happened during the startup. And the guy named Sean 12, who funny enough, ends up winning the league at one point, right? Like he corrected his mistake and paid the price in the startup. I could have taken Kirk cousins at five Oh eight and not given up the plus, but I basically erased the five Oh eight to seven Oh one gave up a plus to correct my mistake now and get the quarterback and fix it today. That was the only trade though of those four quarterbacks I took there in the top seven rounds, which leveraged me some assets back. Point I'm making here is with the quarterback or it can look so many different ways and it's kind of subject to how your league is and that's what makes it scary. But if you're in a super flex market or like Mike talked about, it's a two quarterback market. If you are staying in the ranges like we talked about, if you don't go to the Mike route where you're failing and taking the eighth, ninth, tenth round quarterbacks, you you can't fail. You you can't fail. It, it's not going to happen unless you, there's one way you can. There is one way. And is if you cave because you're not secure at your team and you want to win right now. If you if you can't yes. stomach that, if you can't stomach possibly getting stuck with four or five quarterbacks and you're convinced you're going you're going to win right now, you'll lose value and it's a terrible thing for you to do. But if you're willing yeah. to commit yourself to it, you cannot lose. There's so many parallels between that and uh, it's not so popular anymore because everybody kind of got got wind of it, right? And you see it in startup drafts every time, you know, a new startup draft, it's like, oh, my pick's on the block, my pick's on the block. The productive struggle, the the trade down, get future first, right? That used to be the premier, you know, you used to be able to get it over on all your leagues and now it's almost impossible to do. But the one thing that's still possible is the QB horde. And there's a lot of parallels between the two because what you're talking about, Adam, is you just have to have the mindset of, like, I'm going to be bad. Like, if this does not work out for me, I'm going to be bad for the next couple of years. And as long as I stay firm and I get the value that's correct and I don't panic and I don't sell out and I don't cave to everybody else for – it could be multiple years. It could be multiple years. Or – like some of the ones you're talking about and what's more realistic, and I've seen it happen all over the place, is you can't even get out of the startup draft without somebody caving like and, and paying you the prices, right? You took a quarterback in round seven, I'll give you whoever I took in round five plus a plus. Right. <laughs> Here you go. Right. Here you go. Right. I'll give you a plus. I just need the quarterback. But to the extreme, I just wanted to put it out there, even if you don't, if you're comfortable just eating it for a couple of years. Right, I don't think that that team in the expo is anything that's gonna make the playoffs as it's constructed right now. But we got multiple playoffs. Weeks. Playoffs. 
I got a whole nother I got a whole nother season on on what I would consider one of the worst examples of a QB horde. I got a whole nother season of people who have to stay strong in their convictions. Have to stay strong that they don't want to come to the QB store of mine and pay those prices. And, but what I touched but, on earlier, Adam, it only takes one. And the it biggest only takes one. Hundred percent. It only takes one, and then it can also be a domino effect after the one, where yes. two or three or four. But see, I do want to make one point, and it's not because in this scenario. First of all, I've done it wrong too, so it's not that you in this scenario we're talking about the team you did I, didn't hoard he, right. Because Mike, Mike's also I, I've seen him leverage out of quarterbacks like crazy too. Go well, ahead. here's the crazy thing: I don't even think it's wrong. Right? But 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 well, I, I, the reason I want to say this though. Like I tried to find the worst example of me doing it. No, no, the I'm with you. Absolute worst, and but I I'm, still look at it and I go, "Yeah, I'm still good with this team. Like I'm comfortable eating eating shit in 2023 just out of sheer and, principle at this point." Of course, and, and like let me say this, Mike uh, Dynasty Degenerates. Mike Mike is one of the most convicted of every any person I've met on values, on trades, on staunch beliefs. So I. The reason I want to say this, though, is, Mike, when I say wrong, it's more so like we admit that you did not play up the quarterback horde yeah. to the best way that you could have, knowing all 100%. everything we know, right? That's the reason I say it's wrong. I'm not saying you can't make it work still, but my point is the reason you get stuck, and I think this is a this is the biggest point of the show. If you stuck around this point, please listen to what I'm saying. The reason Mike gets stuck with as many as he has is there not everybody's flaccid when they come to the trade table for all those quarterbacks for the most part? Like yes. Deshaun Watson's not that way. Uh, a Rich, who you just drafted, is not that way. But a lot of the ones you hoarded, like people are flaccid coming to the trade table, man. That's that's the honest to God truth. Like just just please think about that and listen to me what I'm saying, everybody. The difference in why he's stuck right now. And I've been there too. Is that I, now I got Ryan Tannehill, I got Sam Darnold, I got all these guys that I'm, I couldn't trade out of, and now they're not quarterbacks. People are excited about and say, "All right, well, he's my quarterback too." Like if someone trades Mike for Ryan Tannehill, let's even say they send him a second, they might even still pause. It's like, "All right, well, I feel better," but does this mean anything to my team? Right? That's where the flaccid stuff comes from. The difference is if you do it higher, right? Like if Mike had. To the other examples, six of the top twenty quarterbacks, you you can't you can't ignore that shop. There's not enough quarterbacks in Superflex to ignore what Mike has right now. Part of his problem is, and he's building out of it, and someone will still eventually cave. It may take longer, but he's trading quarterbacks that aren't as exciting, right? That's in the scenario of his and of the startup where you don't do it properly or you go too far with it. But if you stay like I'm talking about and what Mike and we're talking about that is the better approach in the top 24 quarterback ranges. And even yes. if you're if you're going to buy like guys that are devalued currently, you know, the Russell Wilsons, right? Like though if you add to the quarterback 5 and quarterback 6 with those types, that they can't ignore you. You you can't get stuck for a year with those guys. I promise it. I promise you. That that is the difference. And executing it to an extreme that they can't ignore versus maybe you do get stuck for a year. Because there's no way you roster the first five, six rounds of a startup and everyone just stonewalls you. 
that can't happen. I just other, I wanted to make that point yeah, because yeah. it's it's such a difference in I think for people that haven't done it yet and they're they're worried about getting stuck. If you do it in the first 25 40, you're not going to get stuck. I promise. No. no there's no downside to. It. The other one that we touch on before we bounce out of here is not a, a Kiwi horde per se, but you know how many questions we've gotten or like you know I've got a couple teams like this where you have three like let's say top 10 quarterbacks. You have three of them. And uh it may be a lineup league. In a, in a best ball I I this is the difference between lineup and best ball Adam. Like if I've got three top 10 quarterbacks those are probably the only three on my roster, and I'm just I'm rolling with those guys. You know, like I said, Patrick Mahomes is the only guy who is above average every single week. But you know, if I've got two other guys waiting in the wings that can fill in for those spike weeks, those above average weeks, like I'm I'm good, man. I probably don't roster any other quarterbacks. But in lineup leagues, I know people run into this. They're like, well, I got you know I got Dak and I got Lamar and I got Patrick Mahomes. Like I need to move one of these guys. I got to move them. You know, I can only start two every single week. I got to move them. This is the other thing where it's very similar to the full-blown QB horde. The only way it goes wrong, man, is if you sell low, right? People feel the need. Exactly, you cave, right. They cave and they want to get off them, right? They sell Lamar for far too cheap of what he should have been, right? Because they're like, well, I'm going to just trade him straight up one for one for for Justin Jefferson. or I'm going to trade him straight up for for Brees Hall. Or I'm going to... I'm going to go down to the second round. It's like if you wouldn't draft that guy in the startup where you took that quarterback or what that quarterback's valued at, don't make the trade, man. You have the leverage. You have the leverage and understanding that you hold the hammer. If you're in a QB horde, what we're talking about here with four or five guys, six guys, seven guys, understanding that you hold the leverage is the exact same as understanding if you've got three guys in the top ten or three guys in the top eight, you hold the leverage. Because there's teams out there that are desperate, desperate to get one of those guys. Don't sell low. Don't. It should actually be the opposite. I don't care about your team build, right? Those are very good assets to hold on to and probably the safest ones in Dynasty, right? We, we look at running backs. I, I will sit here and I will tout how much I love Bijan Robinson. And, and you and I can go back and forth about Bijan or A. Rich at the 101, all we want. But I will say this. What is the safer asset in the long term? It's going to be Anthony Richardson because he's a quarterback. If he hits to the level that you think Anthony Richardson can hit to, far outseeds what what Bijan can do. It does. It just does because he plays a position that we don't value as much. Everybody values the quarterback position, and you need to know that. You need to know that everybody values a quarterback position. These are the assets that everybody wants. Just don't cave. So if you've got three of those guys – don't be that person who's like, you know, I, I'll trade this guy straight up for CeeDee Lamb because it fits my team build better. That's how they get you. <laughs> That's how you they get you. Dynasty, you don't know happy, how happy I am to hear you say that, brother. Oh, my gosh. Come on in here. Bring it in here for the real thing, <laughs> oh you know? Oh, um, it took a, It took a lot for you to admit that. Damn, it did. I, I'm honestly – what I was going to have – I had prepped. I, I need a second to get my – brain wrapped around this oh man. <laughs> all right you but, no, but all right but no nah, but, but real but real talk though all right so i want to i want to before we get out of here though i want to explain you're like all right adam you talked to me 2021 this is archaic at this point fine 
let's talk about it in the ADP lens before we get out of here, Mike, honestly. Okay. So the reason I want to talk about this is in 2021, the quarterbacks uh, relative to today in the upper tier parts of the rounds. Okay. The first two, especially the first two rounds are more quarterback than they were in 22. And then they were in 21 and probably than they were ever period. Right. Most so quarterbacks we I think we've ever seen since I've been playing Dynasty Superflex in the, the first two rounds ever. I don't think it's ever been this way, period, before. Um, because, Mike, you're talking about 12 in the top – half of the first two rounds, based on current ADP and sleeper um, and Superflex drafts, are quarterbacks. Quarterback. Right. right. So, now I'll level with you there, but here's the difference, though. We know it's optimal – to also take two quarterbacks. So let me just give you not a – I'm not going to cherry pick here. Like I'm not – I could give you a 101 as Patrick Mahomes and Dak based on ADP, but I'm not going to do that. But let's just say for a second you took the 108, you got T-Law, and let's say on the way back at 205, you get Deshaun Watson, who's currently going to the 204, right? It's Boom. not a stretch. Okay. Great start. Here's the best part about that. That's not a quarterback horde start, but it can become one. Sure can. And it's all based on how your league goes, and it's about really optimizing – what is happening in front of you in the draft board? Okay. And, and the reason I say that is we talk about this all the time in the 40 chess dynasty trade, uh, the trade show, the, the podcast. What do we talk about? Draft for value, trade for need. Yep. So I'm good the first two rounds. All right. This is, this is assuming, like Mike said, you can't do what we want to do, which is trade up for two elite quarterbacks. Right. So let's just right. utilize this. Okay. Third round now. ADP will tell you here. You're going to get, like, you know, Kenneth Walker. Uh, I, I pray you don't do that. Please don't be the guy that does that. But uh, T. Higgins, Stephon Diggs, Eckler, whatever. Here, here's a scenario I think is very real, especially as time continues to progress. Kyler's unsure in his mobility, and people are yep. super scared. They have an early pick and someone else's possible early pick. Okay, and, and the reason I say that is it goes kind of in the parallel of the 21 draft I had where I took Watson in that third round range, right? As my second quarterback, like third round of Kyler Murray still staring you in the face. Stop that. Don't, don't build a team. You draft him, right? Okay. We get to the fourth round. See, the thing is it's going to become more and more clear to you. I'm going to walk through this one hypothetical example. Kyler's in the face in the third you take them right but in the fourth you'll start to get a lot more clarity of how many quarterbacks are going like i talked about earlier and how many teams have a second and how many quarterbacks are still in their range that are worth hoarding okay so let's say in the fourth round now like there's a bunch of guys here that may go may be gone but could be there right the tuas the daniel jones the jared goffs the kirk cousins if they're all there in the fourth round you pick whoever your best one is. I don't care if it's Jones, if it's Tua. Yep. You take them. And honestly, if any one of those four are there, probably I'm considering just leaning into it here is about where I'm going to like make my mark. We're talking four of the top 15, 18 quarterbacks right now, right? Yep. Okay. So I, let's say let's say for a hypothetical again, you take either Tua or Dimes or, or Goff or Cousins. Now in the fifth round, right? You'll see either a, a, a wave and a, a run of quarterbacks to kind of correct what's happening and not let you continue this play. Or you'll see 
ignorance is bliss and people just keep taking skill players. Now in the fifth round, if you have a chance to get another one of those guys, or even here, you're, you're reaching ahead of ADP, but the play is like keeping your tabs on how many of Trey Lance and Russell Wilson and Kenny Pickett are available, right? And then sixth, seventh round, you're talking about if there's Rodgers, if there's Geno, if I'm creating the scenario and I'm trying to explain that it's even though quarterbacks are going higher earlier, the quarterback horde can still be executed to the same degree that I talked about in the very OG shit league. It's just about how everyone else drafts, right? There's going to be a scenario where it's like, it's absolutely not worth quarterback hoarding. I'm just going to take the skill player now and not play the game of trading around. But if everyone wants to secure skill players after the top two rounds and the top 12 quarterbacks go, and they want to ignore the rest, that is where they're forcing your hand to quarterback hoarders, I think, the way that people misconstrue it. Yes. That's the difference. That's the... Most people are going to listen to this podcast, and if you haven't listened this far, you're going to say, Adam and Mike, you're a bunch of assholes. You guys are out here just trying to manipulate and and make this just some game that's just – you're ruining it for everybody. No. Treat the quarterback position appropriately in Superflex in the top 20 especially, 25. And if you don't do that, I'm going to show you that that position is more valuable than all the other positions. Not saying player for player, but position – their scarcity in the scoring matters. So I, I wanted to walk through that last point there, Mike, because I think even still today, people want to push back, but no, it can happen. It's all dependent on what is happening in your draft, and you can absolutely leverage the first five, six rounds if that's what it takes. Listen, man, uh, we've seen it here in these last couple uh, startups that we've done. They're not snake drafts. They're auctions. And I'm still QB hoarding in auctions when when you when everyone's on the table, right? Everybody has the equal opportunity to every single quarterback that comes up. There's a fact that it becomes there's a point where people just ignore him too much, where they just go, okay, I don't know if he's actually worth that. I don't know if I actually want to pay that. And I've been that guy who goes, oh yeah, yeah, Lamar's worth every bit of two hundred dollars out of a thousand dollar budget. <laughs> I'm paying it. I'm paying it all day. And if I walk away with just Lamar, Fields, Watson, and somebody else at quarterback, I'll figure out the rest of my team throughout the year. Like, I will figure it out. I am set at quarterback. I have the leverage. I have the hammer. When you want an elite one, who are you coming to see? It's going to be this guy. And it's going to far outweigh whatever I paid for him in the auction league. So startup drafts, like the the traditional snake ones, the easiest place to QB hoard, but it can even be done in auction leagues, which I've found out and I've leaned into in a couple, <laughs> much to some people's demise. And now they come and they ask, hey, what's the price on this quarterback? Well, prepare yourself. <laughs> Get the KY out. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. And, and the thing is, right, um, we're talking through the startup mindset right now, and um, whether that's auction, like Mike just mentioned, or it's in a startup draft, typically it's most exploitable in a startup because a lot of leagues you'll find, once you start getting 12 teams and more, that the reality of quarterbacks being traded without a quarterback coming back are not the most – it doesn't happen as often. Like That's a trade that's yes. more nuanced and league-dependent. Now – the reason I wanted to say that too is it doesn't mean that, okay, if you can find a way and there's teams out there that want to rebuild that'll send you a quarterback without one back, like you can still make a quarterback horde happen 
in the middle of a league that's already going on. I'm not, I'm not sitting here and telling you it can only happen at a startup. It's just that's the easiest place to accrue the most quarterbacks at cost and actually leverage them out. Like you can, I got a, I got quarterback hordes going right now that I didn't have hardly any, and I got six now. But it's more difficult, and it's totally dependent at that point on who will sell a quarterback without getting one back or a good one back. Yeah. In, in that scenario, right? I don't know how many of these two like I've also done in the rookie drafts, right? So this class would be a good example. That's a uh, perfect, remember, another great point, Mike. I remember doing it in 2021 specifically in a 14-team Superflex league. But this year as well, like there, there's an example if you were picking 101, 103, 14, and 15 or, or something along those lines. Like you had those picks, right? You, you've rebuilded, you've hoarded picks at the top. You look at it and you go, yeah, I could take a, a JSN or I could take a Gibbs. And I will sit here and I will talk in a vacuum till I'm blue in the face that I would prefer Jameer Gibbs over C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. And I will list off the reasons. We talked about it on the Destination Debbie draft stream. Why? But if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm going, listen, I got these picks. I can make a QB hoard out of just a rookie draft, right? I could take a rich at one. Whoever's picking two is going to take B. John Robinson. And then at three and four, instead of me going, oh, I'd take Gibbs or I'd take JSN or argue about it, I just go hit back-to-back. I hit C.J. CJ Stroud and Bryce Young or Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. doesn't really matter. Now I have all three quarterbacks. And heaven forbid if I pick at the 110 in that draft too because then I'm going to take – I'm just going to double down and I'm going to take Will Levis. Dude, and I, Mike. I literally lock up every single quarterback in this class. There were people going into it thinking that – I'm going to get at least one of these rookies. Like I'm going to Man. fix my QB two with one of these rookies. And all of a sudden they're going, I don't, I don't get a shot at any of them. This is, this is horse shit. Mike, man, uh, I'm, I'm actually really glad that you uh, brought that point up before we get out of here. Because when we go back to the, the OG shit league, South Harmon Institute of Technology, right? Our very first one. And you talked about the quarterback order that I made and the team I had now like that's a point that actually got lost in the sauce or lost in the context because I had nine of 12 in almost all of the early ones. I secured Pickett in 22. I secured all the quarterbacks right. in 23. So I, I almost in a way because of the way it played out, I double quarterback courted. It just, you didn't see it yet. It's a magic trick. You know, <laughs> you, you didn't know it was going to happen, but it happened, right? Like that's, Another layer of the quarterback horde that you can absolutely play up is there's teams that contend, maybe they fail, right? They're the six, seven, eight, whatever they finish. They got two quarterbacks, but let's say one of them was Matt Ryan. Let's say one of them was these guys that do age out. They're they're starved at quarterback. And if you can get two or three of the quarterbacks in the rookie class, where are they going to go? Sometimes that causes its own set of panic, which is the same principle of quarterback hoarding. So there's – it's not just a startup. We use that as the primary example here, but to Mike's point, it can be in a rookie draft. It can be traded for. The principles all still apply, though. Everything we talked about, not caving, getting the value out, understanding who needs quarterbacks, what you need back for that player. It's one of the easiest ways to get value, but it's one of the hardest ways and one of the things that most people don't want to do because they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. Let me say the last point. The biggest thing here is most people don't want to get so far out of their comfort zone. Nobody does. But if, you, if you're if you really willing to push the limits and extremes and get out of your comfort zone and say, you know what, I would rather win this year, but if push comes to shove, I'll lose because I believe that this 
thing I'm doing matters. Getting out of your comfort zone is one of the, the hardest things but easiest ways to get better and accrue value in Dynasty. And that's this, that is what the quarterback horde really is. It's getting out of your comfort zone because those are the most valuable positional players. Sometimes you got to push the envelope just a little bit, man. Just push the envelope a little bit. Differentiate yourself. This is uh, one of the things, one of the principles. This is a shout out to an OG, an OG legend. Doesn't do it in the space anymore. We we had him on one time, which was incredible. I was like a fanboy, but uh, Mike Lou, and and it's it's B water. And and to that point, it's also zigging when other people are zagging, right? And and be be okay going against the grade. It doesn't have to be to the extreme, right? If, if there's somebody who's a consensus ADP of a fifth round, man, I'm not advocating taking them in the first round. But doing these kind of strategies, being fluid, seeing how the league plays out, and if people want to ignore the quarterback, it's one of the easiest things to leverage, right? There's there's not a lot of uh, running back hordes that anybody really cares about. They look at you and they go, "Oh, good luck with that." <laughs> these are these are these are assets nobody really cares about a couple years. Like, good luck with that. Or the wide receiver position. There's not a wide receiver horde because there's so many of them. There's so many options at the wide receiver position. Tight ends and quarterbacks, and specifically quarterbacks because people really care about quarterbacks and not a lot of people really care about tight ends depending on format. So big thing, be fluid, be okay being outside your comfort zone, Adam. That's key. And and it's scary for some people, but trust me, we're giving the examples. I didn't want to cherry pick a good one that I did. We got a fantastic one. You can see what happens when you do it really right. But even if you fail, if you do the old McNutted and you – you take 10 in a row. <laughs> Most of them are turds. It's still okay. It's still okay. I still feel good about it. I'm not sitting here panicking. So be comfortable being uncomfortable is probably the biggest thing. And ah, I love doing this episode, buddy. The QB horde was a was one that we needed to do for a while, especially because we talk about it all the time. And you see the deals pop up on the Dynasty Trade Show where I'm like, how'd you do this? It's a QB horde. <laughs> it may just be a mini QB horde. I may only have five or I may right. only have four, but they're four really good ones. But I know the fact that I have the leverage and I'm the one who holds the hammer. So I'm going to get the value that I want, period, point blank. And I'm not caving. Magic. Now you see me. Now you don't. Magic man. The magic man. There it is, man. And that's, that, that's really it though. Like, uh, there's nuances to it. I, I, this was a little bit of a longer episode, not, nothing crazy, no marathon type, but um, it it's hard to dive into how important the quarterback horde can be without getting into like examples and nuances and how it actually plays out. Just talking about it on the surface, it, it's, it's not enough. You have to go deeper to explain it because a lot of people aren't comfortable getting out of their comfort zone. And I'll be honest, I, I'm one of those people that initially like, Found out where I did my wrong builds. Like you were trying to force narratives and not willing to pivot when everyone else is trying to go for a specific asset or build. So like the be fluid, be water, and uh, be comfortable being outside of your comfort zone and just sticking to values um, that you know based on all the things that everyone in this dope channel talks about. Like there's so much information here. If you can apply all this and be outside of your comfort zone, there's honestly, I'm I think there's so many crazy good things that can happen, especially if you're playing in leagues that are not with everybody that's creating content or listening to this channel. Oh my goodness. I have seen outrageous things happen. It's weekly on the trade show. It's weekly 
in Twitter. Yes. It, it, like I see the crazy trades that you can exploit. So um, I, ho- I hope this was valuable for you. Even if you're not ready to apply it, I hope you at least brainstorm and think about this and ask yourself in startups or in current situations in your team, can I apply this to my league? And is this something I should try? And if you're even thinking about that, I want to challenge you, do it. Give it a chance. Because I'm telling you, if you are not the one to cave, someone else will be eventually the one to cave. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week. We love y'all. Peace. Peace.